Hi everyone. You know there are things in this life uh, and in this faith that we have that sometimes are very concerning even in whatever it is that we do. For example, there is something we call contention and you know contention in the church. And if you are serving in a church, you know what I'm talking about. And the most interesting thing is that contention in the church is something that has happened and it's something that's happening in almost all churches across the world. And it is also one of the things that Paul focused on when he was writing to different churches, when he was writing to Ephesians, Corinthians, uh, Galatians, and even including Philippians. There was always something that was contentious among the brothers and the sisters. And, you know, when I used to serve in, uh, you know, in churches, I, would, I didn't understand why people would contend so much against one another, uh, knowing that we all belong to the same body of Jesus Christ. And so today we are looking at Philippians chapter 4, and I want us to begin from verse 1. And I will, uh, we will look at verse 1 today to verse 3 then we'll be able to understand a few things that Paul is writing about. Therefore, verse 1, My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul begins this chapter or this portion of scripture by addressing the people in Philippians as his dear brothers and sisters whom he loves and longs for. Paul was in prison when he was writing this book. And so it is understandable when he talks about how he longed for them. My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. Then he goes on a step further and calls them my joy and crown. In other words, the Philippian church was so dear to Paul that when you look at how he wrote to them, and how he wrote to the other, you compare it to on how, with how he wrote to the other churches, there was clearly something very different with the Philippian church. He addresses them as my joy and crown. It is like having a father who has many sons and many daughters, and then there is this one child who is the joy and crown of the father. There is this one child whom the father loves so much that the father is willing to do anything for this one child. That was a Philippian church to Paul. He loved these people. He was there for these people. He, they were dear to him. Uh, when you look, you look at this book from, the, uh, from chapter 1, as we have been looking in the past videos, and you can check them. Therefore, my brothers and sisters. The word my brothers and sisters is not a new word, but I feel that in today's church, in today's world, these words are not used uh, to, as words of endearment, uh, brothers and sisters. A brother and a sister is someone who you belong to the same family. You are blood brothers, blood sisters. And this is how we are meant to address one another as believers of Jesus Christ. So if I'm talking to you today, you are my brother or my sister. Whatever place in the world you are watching this from or listening to this from, you are my brother and my sister. And not just a brother, but
but a brother in the faith of Jesus Christ. This is the closest uh, kind of relationship that as believers we need to have and we need to address one another as brothers and sisters. In a world in which titles have become so important, even in the church, the titles of my brother or my sister is almost a demotion from the title of apostle or bishop. Many of us, even pastors as myself or men of God, do not want to be addressed as brothers or as sisters. We want to be addressed by our titles. And so titles in today's generation have taken over the ministry. And I want to remind us and remind every one of us today that being called a brother or a sister in Jesus Christ is a term of endearment. It's a term of power. It is a sign of humility in today's world. Brothers and sisters. Many of us want to become great. Many of us want to have great titles. We are very quick sometimes to remind each other how powerful we are or the kind of authorities, uh, authority that we hold. And this also breeds a lot of contention. There are people in the body of Christ within a local church who want to lord it over the others. And there are those who want to challenge those who look like they are above them. And so it breeds a lot of contention. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Paul says, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Just imagine yourself being addressed that way. Imagine someone telling you who I love. They call you by name and then they, 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 you know, they describe you and they say, whom I love and long for. You are my joy and my crown. Now, these are words that we use or we hear when people are in love, either as a couple or when they are dating. We say, you are my joy and my crown. Though I doubt that this is happening in this generation, but in our time, we used to write letters and we would call, you know, young girls or, or you know, we'll call, they, they would call us joy, my joy and my crown. And so Paul uses this. And I pray today that you will become the joy and the crown of someone in your life and that you will become their source of encouragement. You'll become their source of hope, just like the Philippian church was a source of joy for Paul. May you become that. But then he says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Stand firm in the Lord in the way of love and and." bringing joy and, and becoming a crown to someone's life. In other words, touch people's lives. Now, verse 2 is an interesting verse because then I go back to the contention that we were talking about. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the course of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now, understand what Paul is saying here. There are two women that, are, that have a contention or they do not have the same mind. It is usual in many churches today to find women who are, who are not of the same mind, women who are contending against one another. I have been in churches 
and i have seen uh how you know sometimes how women can can uh, can confront one another and sometimes it can spiral out of control and sometimes it can become a bad bad thing but this is usually something that happens and the encouragement that we may draw from this is that it is not the first time it's happening in your church it is not the first time the women are in contention in your church it is not the first time that there is this conflict in the church someone calls them women issues in quotes you know and every church that you go to you will find these kind of issues because uh, people when people come together there are always differences differences in personality differences in how people do things differences in perceptions and these differences begin to shape what we become as a people so paul is appealing uh, to someone that they may help these women since they have contended at the side of paul they have been together with paul these two women they have st- uh, stood with paul through thick and thin and so he's saying to them please uh, talk to these women so that uh, we can continue with this gospel so he also mentions a man called clement okay and the rest of the co-workers which means paul was saying yudia and santaik and and clement and the rest of the co-workers and stood with him but there is a very important point that he makes he says whose names are in the book of life now there is a contention here between these two women there is a, there is a contention in this church usually in the life that we live in we always say that if someone has a contention about something uh, they probably will not go to heaven you know we are very quick to say that and churches being in church you will find women who differ with other women uh, uh, on issues like dress code for example and you will find the older women uh, uh, rebuking the younger girls for their dress code and that breeds a lot of contention in the church it gets to a point where some of these older women tell these younger girls that they will not go to heaven that their names are not in the book of life but let me say this your name is not in the book of life because of how you dress and your name is uh, is not absent from the book of life because of how you dress you see what we say as much as it is important for us to carry ourselves uh, in a way that is respectable even in our church it is not the outward look that sometimes uh, th- that determines it's not the outward look that determines whether my name or your name is written in the book of life so we all come to church we are believers of Jesus Christ we are not told the contention that was between these two women so i'm just mentioning dress code as part of the contentions that, that we have seen today or contentions from the kitchen department okay women are contending uh, they have a conflict because of some spoons or some sufurias or some whatever and so they are there you know and creating this conflict because of those two things and the bible says even though there is that conflict their books uh, sorry their names are written in the book of life and so is your name but if you're watching this i want to ask you a question is your name written in the book of life are you sure 100% that your name is written in the book of life when jesus calls us out when we go to heaven 
and our names are called, will your name be called in the book of life? So I pray for you that you may become a joy and a crown for someone else. That you'll become one person who is always supporting and standing with others. That Jesus Christ may become our shield. But most importantly, even as we come, to, uh, as we live in this life, make sure that your name is written in the book of life. Thank you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you.